0: entitled Revelations Through Rest. But before we get there, I just want to add to AC's announcement. You know, next Sunday is a big Sunday. It's one of those can't-miss kind of Sundays. Like, you're going to want to be here, cancel your plans, invite your friends to next Sunday. And not just because we're relaunching two services, 9 and 1030, kids, men at both, and, and youth at 1030. But also because we're starting a new series, our fall series entitled Bold as a Lion, we're going to talk about temptation. We're going to spend four weeks talking about what God's word says about temptation. And and the reality is, we, we say it this way at our church, that we are imperfect people that have been moved by the perfect love of Jesus, And sometimes we can come into church, and everybody kind of puts on their Sunday best, and everybody's got a smile on their face, and we can kind of think, nobody struggles with anything here. And here's a little dirty, dark secret. We do. Right? You should stay, but we struggle. And Scripture's very honest. Don't you just love Scripture? It doesn't sugarcoat it. It talks about trials and temptations over and over and over, and how we face those as believers in Jesus but how we can overcome those, not in our own righteousness, but in the righteousness of Christ. So that's what we're going to talk about. I'm not going to preach that series yet, and it's next Sunday, but that's what we're going to talk about for four weeks, so come back for that. I think it's going to be really helpful for you, and then uh, we would love for you to jump into this. Two services is a great time to jump in, whether it's serving in kids. Our team, uh, without me being here, has done an incredible job of preparing to put on two services, both with kids' ministry. We've never done this before. And the pastor was gone on sabbatical, and we're doing it, right? And so let's just thank our team. Can we thank our staff team and all their great work? Amen, our volunteers. But also, man, we'd love for you to come alongside and lock arms with them, specifically in kids, just to be honest with you. Uh, the beauty of two services is you can serve one and attend one, so you don't have to miss this. Yeah, you can clap for that. Thank you, Tim. But we'd love for you to jump in. Stop by the Connect Desk. You can serve in other areas, host team, production, worship, all those things. Stop by the Connect Desk. Today is a day to do that, to connect and and to come alongside and and help out in these ways. The last thing is a really fun thing is um, you should get a shirt. Yeah, Uh, you should get a shirt. I'm the model today, if you didn't see. I don't know if this is the best idea for me to be the model, but um, this is one of our new shirts. We did a collab, as the kids call it, Right. A collab with uh, State 48. They do a great job. So cool that they partner with churches and, and they let us customize this shirt. And so we have these uh, right now for adults. We'll have them available to give to you next Sunday, right? And the way you can get one is to pre order that on our website. I think that we have a link on the screen. You can buy one in person next Sunday. We would love for you to get one of these shirts. Uh, we'll have kids' sizes soon. So, Stay tuned for that, families. i uh, love for you guys to grab one of these shirts. But hey, let's get into it together. Uh, part two of Revelations Through Rest. I'm going to give you my heart for you from my sabbatical. You can write these things down if you would like. The first takeaway for you is that I pray that you would have an anchored faith over perceived control. An anchored faith over perceived control. Listen to what it says in Psalm chapter 1. Says this, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of the sinner, nor sits in the seat of the scoffer, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. One of the things that's so helpful about the Psalms, I know we went through a summer of Psalms uh, just this summer, but you get this great imagery, right? Did you catch it in that, those first few verses that, that, that the writer compares us as a, a blessed man or a, a blessed woman, literally a happy person, is like a tree, that it's planted, that it's rooted. And it's rooted not just in, in any ideology or philosophy, it's rooted in the law of the Lord, the word of God, by streams of water. And the idea that you should picture is though the winds may come, those storms may come in life, that that tree stays rooted, it's anchored. right? And we see it in the text, don't we? We see this tree is fruitful, it's enduring, the leaf does not wither, it holds strong. And as I read this this summer on my sabbatical, and as I pictured it again, the Psalms are so good at helping us picture it. As I pictured this tree, I pictured you. I pictured our church. That my desire for you in an ever-changing world is that you would be anchored in unchanging truth. And here's the reality: is not everybody's anchored in unchanging truth right now. I don't know if you've noticed, but over the last year and a half, our world is ever changing. Anybody notice? Yeah. I know like masks and vaccines and, and polarization and politics. And it seems like every day people ask me questions all the time, like, hey, what, what is the church going to do for this? And on sabbatical, I just said, I don't know. It was just great. <laughs> right. Ask Kyle. I don't know. Ask, ask AC. I just deferred that, delegated that, which was nice. But One of the things I've seen is just, I will just say, hey, this is what we're doing for now. Right? I remember like March, 2020. Anybody remember March, 2020? (laughs) Sorry for the PTSD just now, right? I just remember uh, going to a meeting to learn about COVID-19 with a bunch of churches in the state of Arizona. And we had Sunday planned as normal. And we walked out of that meeting and we switched our church to online. And I preached my sermon on an iPhone in our office and it was terrible right (laughs) and we put it out online and and we we shifted everything and we listen we had plans I think we we had plans for Easter we had we had plans for two services at that time we had all these plans and it changed we live in an ever-changing world that's never been more true than right now that's true in your life and and here's Here's my concern and also my prayer. My concern is I, I see an ever-changing world. I see not just the world out there, but I see Christians in here responding to that ever-changing world, and, and they're changing. And I don't mean changing like becoming more like Christ, right? That'd be nice. But but I mean, they're changing. Like, they're changing their positions. They're changing their feelings about, like like, important things like the bible the word of god that we say is inherently true that's an error that's straight from god like jesus christ and crucified and resurrected and and they're beginning to see well hey it doesn't look like anybody's in control of this thing so maybe i'll take control and i'll close my fist instead of having empty hands under the word of god And I've seen that over the last year and a half. I've seen that even over the summer. You can't get away from it. The Christians are doing this. And so as I read this Psalm 1, 1 through 3, oh, God, I just prayed for Phoenix Bible Church that we would be different than that, that in an ever-changing world we would cling, we would be rooted in unchanging truth. That as winds come and storms come and and presidents change and and policies change and people say something to you on Facebook and and your friend does this or or this bad thing happens, that you would say, I am planted firmly in the word of God and the work of Christ. That's my prayer for you. And that's been my burden for you. See... Because here's the opposite, and we see it in Psalm 1. If you go on to read verse 4, again, great imagery that Psalm 1 gives us. Uh, The writer says, hey, some people are not rooted like a tree in the ground. Some people are like chaff, blowing in the wind. Isn't that great imagery? Do you know anybody like that right now? Just blowing in the wind. Hey, remember church? (laughs) We used to come to church, ah, blowing in the wind. Remember the Bible? Remember you used to cling to it? remember you, We were in a Bible study. You remember that? Just no, blowing in the wind. I'm going my own way. Yeah, I, I kind of got out of the habit of church. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it's a health thing or if it's, I just, I like eating waffles <laughs> in my kitchen on Sunday morning, right? Just blowing in the wind. And it's not helping us, Right? I don't know how many people, again, these are believers, not the world, but I don't know how many people I have seen, they, they've disrupted their their marriage, they've disrupted their, their family, that... COVID's killing some people, but what's ultimately killing a lot of Christians I know and their, their lives, not, to, not physically killing them, but, but mentally and relationally killing them and emotionally killing them, it has nothing to do with COVID. It's that they've strayed from the anchor in their life, which is the word of God. And they've gone their own way. And it's disrupting their marriage, it's disrupting their families. Some of them have left their their families, some of them have left their friendships, their church community. You know people like this. Statistically, it's it's proven to be true that there's all these people, like 20 to 30 percent of people that were involved in a church, they may never come back. Like pastors, we we do these studies, like when are they has everybody coming back? And a lot of studies show like 20 to 30 percent of people just never coming back. And it's not just they're never coming back to the building, they're never coming back to the community, they're never coming back to the family of God. And Psalm 1 is going to tell us, here's how that happens. Again, great imagery. It happens when people walk, when they sit, and when they stand in wickedness, sin, and with the scoffers, instead of the word of God. And in the context, what that's talking about is aligning yourself, not under the word of God, rooted in it, but outside of it. Now I'm going to walk, I'm going to stand, I'm going to sit in other places, and maybe that wickedness and sin is like adultery. Maybe it's financial scandal, and hey, that, that happens for sure. But some of it is just, hey, I'm going to grow cold to the word of God and the work of Christ, and I'm going to do things my own way. God's not in control. Things are chaotic. I'm going to take things into my control, into my perceived control, and I'm going to do things my way. And then they're blown away by the wind. So listen, my prayer for you is that you would be different than that. That you would be rooted and anchored in the word of God and the work of Christ. And maybe some of you today, if you're honest, you're like, I mean, I'm, Tim, I'm here in church, but man, I've been tempted to do what you're saying. I've been tempted to take matters into my own hands. I've been tempted to walk away from my family. Some of you are sitting here right now and you're saying, hey, it's just gotten a little messy. It's gotten a little hard. And I've thought about hitting the eject button on my family. And right now God has you in church in an honest moment to, to realize that and not be blown. You don't have to be blown away but to re-anchor yourself in the word of God. Some of you have felt this, some of you are are feeling this, and I think on my sabbatical, I I felt this, and and I saw just concerns, and and, and not just like on my sabbatical, but part of a sabbatical is reflection, and so it gave me some time to, to pull back, and to look at the last year, year and a half, seven years, but really just this last season, and and I think one of the things that's most concerning, and it's there's several things. I got a list. One of the things that's most concerning is that when bad things happen in life, and they have, when hardships occur in life, instead of digging down deeper, like going to God's word more, clinging to the community of God more so that we can endure and and not be a leaf that withers, instead of clinging to that more, we run away from it. The very thing that's gonna cause us to anchor, we run away from, right? And and so I've seen that. It's been sad to see in people's lives. It's been sad to see in, in, in the church at large But I've also seen the opposite of that. I've also had the opportunity to see, okay, but if we won't do that, if we will cling to God's word and actually dig deeper into that, we can make it through this. And I've seen that with people. I've seen that with people in our church. I've seen that as I had time to look back over the course of our whole seven years, I've seen that. I remember, and some of you were here for this moment, when the rug got ripped out from under us as a church. We were meeting in a school named ASU Prep in downtown Phoenix. And just a few years, four years into church life, and I got a notice on a Friday that we were evicted with six weeks notice, which if you never planted a church, let a church, that's not good, Right? And I remember that happening, and I remember that was chaos. The storms were coming, the winds were coming. And I had some moments. Should I step out of this? This is kind of crazy hey, should we kind of uh, manipulate the situation? Should we scramble and solve? And and I had some other people, this is not a hero story of your pastor. I had some other people who were close to me who said, no, 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 you don't need to scramble or solve. You need to surrender. You need to dig down deeper up under God and surrender this situation to him. And so some of you remember that Sunday, I didn't preach a sermon. I just called us to surrender, to pray every day at noon and see what God would do. And some of you are like, Tim, don't you need to find a realtor? <laughs> and I, I, I think we need to anchor in the work of God right now, in the work of Christ. And God provided within a week, we didn't look for anything. God provided where you're sitting right now. Huh? As we anchored deeper in the Word of God, we could have been blown away as a church, but we anchored deeper. We saw God be faithful, and that doesn't mean everything was perfect, but we saw God's faithfulness in and through us. I saw it, not just reflecting on the life of our church over sabbatical, I saw it last Sunday in my own family's life. Uh, so Sunday was my first Sunday from sabbatical, and just so you know, I had a lot of perceived control about the way that would look. Like, I, I had in my mind, like, people are going to see me and be like, you look so relaxed, you look so fit. Have you been working I mean, just I'm just being honest. Can I be honest in church? Oh, you look so, you've you been working out, eating right? Pastor like, you got it. I had some ways I thought last Sunday would look. like I'd preach a great sermon, I'd be completely clear in thought, and I'd get to catch up with everybody, but it didn't work that way. That was my perceived control of how I planned it. It didn't work that way. I got a storm. My uncle passed away the week before my return from sabbatical. They asked me to preach the funeral, which I was incredibly honored to do. But the way the funeral was gonna work, it was either gonna be Friday or Monday, and I said, listen, if I don't preach on Sunday, (laughs) I've been gone three months, my people are gonna start to wonder. So I'll I'll preach it Friday or Monday in Dallas, Texas, but I gotta be at my church on Sunday. And so the the funeral ended up being on Monday at 10 a.m., last Monday. And so I preached on Sunday, last Sunday, and I flew out with my family at 3 p.m. that afternoon. We got there at 10 p.m.-ish because we had to stop in Houston. We woke up that morning, traveled across Dallas from my parents' house to a church in Plano, Texas, and at 10 a.m. I preached my uncle's funeral. And was with my family and was so glad I got to do that. Listen, it it wasn't the return from sabbatical that I was hoping for. Right? But that's, that's what God had in mind, and, and he persevered me through that. And he didn't do that through me. He did that through my aunt, my, my uncle's wife. She came up to me right before uh, the funeral and just said, hey, you know you're going to share the gospel, right? I was like, well, yes, auntie. <laughs> Whatever you would like, sure. And she's like, yeah, I just know there's a lot of people in here that need Jesus, Listen, my aunt, they're like 68, 69. I mean, this wasn't expected. My uncle passed away quick. This is devastating to our whole family and to her. And in that moment, her concern primarily was people coming to know Jesus. And I just thought, I was all jacked up because my return from sabbatical got thrown off. And here my aunt is, she lost her husband, and her primary concern is the word of God, the work of Christ, that all people would know that. And it just reminded me, man, I want that kind of life. I want that kind of life for myself, and I want that kind of life for you, that you could have a hope that's greater than your husband. That you could have a hope that's greater than a policy. That you could have a hope that's greater than a, a president. That you could have a hope that's greater than your circumstances. And his name is Christ. And you're up under his word. And you're unshakable. And death comes, and the next thing comes, and the other variant comes. Not to scare you, but it's probably coming. right? <laughs> and you say, no, no, no. I'm, I'm not going to be blown away. I'm anchoring in. I am anchored in the word of God. That's my prayer for you. That's my heart for you. So here's a challenge to you this morning is, where are you anchoring in currently? Where have you been anchoring in over the last year and a half? Has it been a policy, a president? Has it been circumstances? Has it been when everything gets back to normal Has it been your philosophy or ideology? Has it been who you follow on social media? Has it been the influence of other friends who said, hey, I'm getting out of this church Bible thing. The world's gone crazy. I'm gonna hop over here. And you just said, wow, that looks nice. I'm gonna jump over there too. And you've been blown away. Where is your anchor right now, 2021, the fall of 2021? Where is it? Is it in the work of God, the word of God, Are you up under that, anchored in him, or are you choosing to go outside of that? Here's the second thing. Second thing is you aren't completely you without the community around you. I gotta go way faster. Rusty, I'm rusty, sorry. (laughs) Goodness. Colossians 3:14 says this. It says, and over all, these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Give you some context. Paul has been calling people in Colossians chapter three to put on clothes. He gives that imagery of putting on clothes of compassion, of kindness, of humility, of gentleness, of patience. But he says, hey, there's a belt that ties all of that together and it's love for one another and unity with one another. How many of you know the outfit doesn't work if you don't have the right belt, right? How many of you know, you, man, you could have a nice suit, you could be rocking it, but if you don't have a belt and got some saggy pants, it's over, right? Paul says, hey, yeah, put on all these clothes, compassion, is patience, righteousness, kindness, but there's a belt. You know what the belt is that makes it all work? Is love for one another. Is unity with one another. And this isn't just Paul saying this in a vacuum in Colossians 3. We've preached this over the course of seven years of our church all the time, right? There's 59 one another's in the New Testament. Even at the very beginning of our Bible, before sin and before the fall, God tells Adam, it is not good for a man to be what? Alone. That we're designed for community. We're designed for relationships. Some of the most beautiful pictures in all of Scripture or about community and people coming together as the belt that brings everything else together. I thought about Moses, when he's helping Joshua fight the battle and he's doing that by holding up his staff and when he can no longer hold it up by himself, what happens? Aaron and her, other people, they come up and they hold his arms up for him. I think about the paralytic in the New Testament. He comes to Jesus, but he doesn't come to Jesus by himself. People carry him. I think about Jesus himself, that post-resurrection, the greatest, most miraculous event in all of history. What does Jesus do? Throw a pep rally? Have a parade? He sits down with people, has breakfast with his disciples. You see this woven through all of scripture. We are designed for community. Now, this is hard for us because we live In an individualistic society, we live in a a society that talks continuously about self-care, self-actualize. And listen, that's not just out in the world, that's in the church. We, We say things like, my personal relationship with God, which is true, but we accentuate my personal relationship with God, my walk with God. I like Jesus, but not the church, right? And we... This individualized society has invaded the church perhaps more now than ever before because many of us aren't locking arms with other real-life people worshiping God together. We're in homes by ourselves, isolated, watching an online experience of church. So we're even more emboldened to say, I like Jesus, but not the church, not community. Have you read the Bible? (laughs) Oh, Bible, you can't. You can't be a righteous, holy person and hate other people, newsflash. It's woven in. We're a part of community. So listen, one of the hard things for me personally over the summer is I took a break from my job, our, our church, is I took a break from you. And that was why I got choked up at the very beginning of my message, when I said, I missed you, because that was difficult to be away from community, because what I learned is you are not completely you without the community around you. We need one another. And so some of the best things I did during my sabbatical was call up some people in our church and be like, hey, I know I'm not supposed to do this, (laughs) but let's hang out. And I went swimming with the Saunders and the Thomases, and we hung out, and we talked about life and sabbatical in the past seven years, and we talked about God, and we talked about coming back, and we talked about all these things, and, and that was healthy for me. One of the best things I did was uh, connect with a guy who I consider my pastor. His name's Rick Eford. He preaches here a lot. Some of you will know him, but my wife and I, we got up to a cabin in Flagstaff, and we just spent a day with Rick and Emily Eford. And, and that was one of the best things I did during my sabbatical and just allowed them to speak over us and into us because you're not completely you without the community around you. And, and I'm your pastor and I need that. We need that together, amen? Nobody's above that. And here's my concern. Again, I have a few. My concern is that we are living in a time we're experiencing community, and that's replacing, back up. Experiencing community has been replaced by attending experiences. That sounds better. Experiencing community has been replaced by attending experiences. So all the time right now, what do you see on churches' websites? You see a Sunday experience, our online experience. And maybe that's, I had to check, well, I didn't even check with Kyle before this. I think it might be on our website. Sorry, apologies if it is. But I get what they're saying, like no judgment on those churches. They're they're wanting to to not just go through the motions, but have an experience with God and with one another. I I get what they're saying. But because we focus so much on experience and not people, what we have is, hey, if I don't have a great experience online or in person, like if my, it's aesthetically pleasing, if my emotions don't get riled up a certain way, then I'm going to hop over to a different experience, And listen, one of the most miserable parts of my sabbatical, it was restful, it was great, but there were a few miserable parts. And one of the most miserable parts is my family and I, we went to church, like other churches. And listen, let's just be clear. I love other churches in Phoenix. We, We partner with them all the time. I go to pastor's meetings, love that about Phoenix. But it was no offense to their churches, but I just didn't like doing that. We went to three different churches. We church hopped. It was awkward. It was miserable. I don't see how some of y'all do it, right? You know who you are. We're glad you're here, right? I, we went to a church and they were serving communion, but they don't do it the way we did it. And it was like a come and go type thing throughout the service. And I didn't get that memo. And so I just saw all these people coming up to get the elements and bringing it back. And I just, I'm a pastor. And I, I elbow my wife and I'm like, are we taking communion? <laughs> it was weird, My kids, every single Sunday, this is a blessing even in the misery, my kids, every single Sunday would be so frustrated that we weren't coming to Phoenix Bible Church, right? Every pastor's prayer is like, my kids, please love Jesus. Please don't hate the church. Please be a blessing to them, not a burden to them. And I mean, that was a huge win over the summer. my kids, every Sunday, I'm a little competitive. My son gets a little competitive after me. And every Sunday after church, he'd tell me, we'd get in the car, he said, Dad, our church was better. (laughs) I appreciate it, man. I don't, we don't have to do that, but thank you. Uh, but I, I hated church hopping. But this is what our whole culture is doing, and especially with online experiences. It's just if I don't get the right experience, and you never stay long enough to connect with actual people and the person of Christ through those people, right? And so my challenge for you is, man, are you connected in Community? Do people know who you are? Are you involved? We're not just asking you to serve in kids and youth and and production and all these things because we got two services and we got to put on a production and make sure we hit on all cylinders. We're not just asking because we have a need. We're asking because this is how you're wired. This is how you experience ultimate joy. This is the belt that weaves everything else together. And some of y'all, y'all don't have a belt on and your pants are sagging. And I'm back from sabbatical to tell that to you because I love you. You need to find a church. Maybe it's not this one. Maybe it's another one down the street, but you need to find a church and be there. The second thing, concern that I have is we live in a time where everybody's choosing positions over people. As I sat back, uh, speaking of imagery, as I sat back on sabbatical, I just kind of looked at our world and even the church and just thought, man, we were like a gigantic middle school. I well, how come you posted that online? Well, if those liberals wouldn't do that and they didn't say that, then I wouldn't have had to post that. How come you said that? How come you are You seem really defensive these days? You used to be so soft. How come you're like this? Well, if those Republicans, if those conservatives, if they wouldn't do that, then I wouldn't have to do this. I mean, and it's like my little kid saying, he hit me first, Right? And listen, so my prayer for you this summer as I begin to see that and just it continues to escalate as I begin to see that is my prayer for you is that you would, Phoenix Bible Church, you would be a people who doesn't side with positions of political parties and take that as your cue for the way you treat one another, but you would take your cue, not from political parties, but from the fruit of the Spirit, from the Beatitudes, like blessed are those who are meek, those who mourn. That's not just the blessed life. That is the life of Christ. And that is how we take our cues for how we treat one another. Not because of what your political party says of how you should treat one another. And my prayer for Phoenix Bible Church is that we would rise above the rest of the world, the rest of the Christian world, who's gone mad, who's like a middle school kid, and we would say, hey, we're going to operate under the fruit of the Spirit. I vote Republic, but fruit of the Spirit. I vote Democrat, but fruit of the Spirit, the Beatitudes. That's where I'm fixing my eyes, and that's what's going to inform and affect the way I treat one another. Can you imagine? <laughs> Can you imagine if we did that? Like just Phoenix Bible Church, you can't control every other Christian in the world. What if Phoenix? What if you woke up today and said, "The way I treat other people is going to be informed by the fruit of the Spirit, not the position of parties." Can you imagine how Phoenix would change? How our world would change if we showed people a better way? Right. That's what John 17 says. Right before Jesus dies on the cross, he prays. You want to listen to the last words of a man, specifically the Son of God. Amen. Jesus, what does he pray? He says, I pray that they may all be one. And then he says that they may all be one so that we get the result, so that the world may know you, right? See, one of the best ways we can love the world well is to love one another well, right? Especially today. And and so that's one of my prayers for you is that, you would be are you connected in community are you loving one another are you uh, repenting to one another are you forgiving one somebody all this isn't ethereal there's some people right now you're thinking of believers in Christ who you need to go repent to who is that there's some believers in Christ who you need to forgive there's some believers in Christ who you need to speak the truth and love to, not because it's comfortable, but because it's worth it. Because you value the relationship, because you were designed for relationship. How do you need to respond in community, in that way? Some of you are like, Tim, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have beef with anybody. It's because you haven't seen anybody in a year and a half right? You're designed for community. Some of you, you you need to show up. Some of you online, you need to come on and mask up, do whatever you need to do. Get with five people. I'm not saying come to church and all those things. If you're not comfortable and you have a health issue, I'm saying find a way. You aren't completely you without the community around you, And it doesn't just affect us. It affects our world. That's our last point, Phoenix doesn't need another church building, but it desperately needs a community of imperfect people moved by the perfect love of Jesus. Now, just to be clear, I pray for a building, and you should too. (laughs) We don't own this place. We lease this place. We're grateful for this place. As long as we are here, we're gonna serve the heck out of this place, this community. So I, I pray for a building. We'd love to have it for more space for kids, youth, classes to equip you, connection spaces like we... We pray for that. You can give to that. We'd love for you to do that. But listen, ultimately what Phoenix needs is not just another church building. When we did look for a church and church hopped over the summer, I Googled churches like many of you probably had. Man, I'm sorry for, this is hard, right? And I saw a lot of church buildings. Like there's church buildings everywhere. What Phoenix needs is not just another church building. They need imperfect people Moved by the perfect love of Jesus. Moved to love one another sacrificially. Not out of our comfort, not out of our freedoms, but out of sacrifice, the Bible will say. Take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. Phoenix needs another church like that, amen? Phoenix needs another church who loves one another so well that it doesn't stay in this place but it oozes out, it moves out. Love moves out of this place to Phoenix Christian. The Phoenix Christian is a better school, has, has students. I love the past few weeks, I've seen students from Phoenix Christian. I spoke at the retreat, I've spoken at chapel and I saw those guys again in our church, I love that. We need to see this community change because we're here. We need to partner with Phoenix Rescue Mission, which we are, and Hope Women's Center, because we're loving one another, but it's oozing out into our city, and Phoenix needs that. It's the fifth largest city, 1.7 million people. Barna Research did a study, it said Bible-minded cities, cities that, that have a lot of population who are up under the word of God, anchored in the word of God, and Phoenix was 90th out of 100. 1.7 1.7 million people, and they don't know the word of God. They're gonna get blown away. We want them to be anchored. And if we love one another, and that love begins to ooze out of this city, we will make an impact. That's what we're here for. If you're new, that's what we're inviting you into. You know, when my wife and I first got married, she's Indian, we went to, the, we went to India uh, she had a couple cousins getting married, and we went to the Taj Mahal while we were there. Seven, uh, one of the seven wonders of the world. It's all made out of marble. If you've never seen a picture, it's, it's beautiful, it's immaculate. It's this huge marble structure, this palace, but it's not even, if you've just seen it on a postcard, you, you don't get it. Because it's not just the palace, it's as you walk up to the palace, the whole floor is marble. Everything is marble. It's magnificent, until you walk around the Taj Mahal. And you need to know around the Taj Mahal, it's one of the most impoverished places in India. So sad. And I just remember going early on to marriage and thought, something's not right about that. You got this magnific- magnificent place, this glorious place, and yet everywhere around it is struggling to the utmost, something is off with that. Let me tell you, something is off when we have churches on every corner, but the areas around us, you don't feel it. Right? Something is off if, if we're here on this corner of 18th Avenue and Indian School, but Phoenix Christian doesn't know who we are and they don't know that Jesus loves them and our our city doesn't know that Jesus loves them. Something is off with that. And so that's why not just we're here, that's why you're here. That's why God brought you to intersect with Phoenix Bible Church, to serve in kids and youth and host and, and to serve in our city and to love one another over and above a party over and above aside. see, the only forever family, forever institution is the family of God. You know that, right? Like in First Peter, it talks about that, that we have been born again of imperishable seed. It never fades. that the reality is, there are other believers in here you're going to see in heaven. And here's what you don't want to happen. You don't want to see him in heaven and be like, "Bro, I privately resented you for a long time." But bring it in, hey, bro. I was really selfish, and I knew you needed help, and and I didn't want. I just didn't want to be awkward that day after church, so I didn't come and apologize to you. But like fist bump. Here's what you don't want to happen is. Other people in our forever home and our forever family, we say, but I I chose a side over you. I chose a position over you. You want to start loving those people like you're going to see them forever, like Revelation 7, 9, that you're going to have a multi-ethnic family wrapped around the glory of Christ forever. And we want to start treating one another like that now. Now. And so we, we are imperfect people, but we're moved by the perfect love of Jesus. And so my, my invitation for you is hey, join us in that. Be anchored in the word of God. Be involved in community and be affecting those around you by loving those around you as Jesus has loved you. Amen? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, God, I, I thank you for these men and women. I thank you for the challenge of your word. God, I pray that we would respond to it. God, right now, I pray that if some of us are just honest and say, hey, I'm going to some other things, I'm taking control myself. God, I pray that we would just take this moment to come up under your control and your word and you would anchor us there. God, for some of us that have just, just if we're honest, been disjointed in community, we've gotten comfortable. Maybe it is the last year and a half Of crazy, and we just have lost community. And I pray that we would take a step out today and and serve and sign up on a little card and say, I'm just gonna serve. I may meet some people that way. And um, God, I pray maybe for some of us, it's a little bit harder than that. We need to have a hard conversation, ask for forgiveness, repent to someone else because we aren't completely us without the community around us. And God, I pray that for Phoenix Bible Church, the city would know we're here the city would know we love one another and we love them because we love Jesus and because he first loved us. God, help us. That's our legacy, not a building, not budget, not butts and seats. That is our legacy. That's why I'm back from sabbatical. That's why I want to give my life to this. God, that's what we are here for. That's when we sing and raise our hands. We have been loved like this by you, and we want to love others like this as well. God, help us to do that. It's in the name and for the fame of Jesus Christ. We pray, and everybody said, amen.